what we're going to do today um, in this coming uh, 50 minutes. So I'd like to introduce to you this topic of diversifying service supply. Uh, we have Avinash on the call to share their experiences, Pratipa's experiences with offering services besides services for cotton. And we have Peter from Angani on the line who is sharing their experiences with linking with a microfinance institution. And at, uh, after their presentations, I would like to ask you to hold your questions, your cl clarifying questions to them on what they're currently doing and invite you to share your own experiences or thoughts or considerations when working on this topic. And to introduce this topic, we see that there are common challenges at smallholder level, probably all very much known to you. So um, a lot of smallholders have a dependency on, on one or a limited number of uh, crops for their, for their cash income. Um, smallholders that we're working with, most of them have diversified farming systems, so not only producing coffee or cocoa or cotton, but also producing uh, other crops. And food security is a big issue for smallholders and, and often being prioritized over cash income. Um, for those on the line that are actually running a service delivery model, this has quite some implications. So this has implications for the cash management of smallholders. Uh, it may have implications for uh, that smallholders are diverting inputs to food crops instead of using them for the cash crops or for the food crops there. Uh, for which they were um, um, or supposed to be used for. It also can have big consequences on site selling, for site selling. So farmers um, pre-selling their harvest to local middlemen traders under intransparent, um, not favorable conditions. Uh, this all can lead to debt accumulation and to drop out of agriculture, um, which may be a problem in certain sectors um, for securing supply. So what we see happening is that there are um, two, you could say, sort of core strategies to mitigate those challenges and, and the implications. One we defined as multi-crop service delivery. So this is the expansion of services beyond uh, the key cash or food crop that uh, a service provider is working with to help or to support smallholders also on other crops in their farming system. And uh, what Avinash will explain on their Pratiba case is a very nice uh, example of that. Uh, we also see that there's another way of doing this, which we called partnership service delivery, um, which is partnering with an external market actor for the provision of additional services, like for example, a service provider partnering with an input provider or with financial institutions institution or an insurance provider and Zangani is an uh, interesting example uh, where they have partnered with a microfinance institution to expand the service supply to smallholders to include financial services. I would like to hand over to uh, Avinash Kamakar who is the vice president of Fazuda Farm Initiatives of Pratima and I'd like to ask you Avinash to give a short introduction on, on your company um, what your company is doing, if you can explain why you have decided to work on other crops, what you then do for those other crops, um, how you aggregate and market those crops, uh, what are the costs involved in doing so, and what do you see as uh, benefits for farmers, but also benefits for your business. 
So Avinash, the, the floor is yours. Thank you, Iris. And again, good evening to everyone from India. So first about Pratibha Syntex. Uh, Pratibha Syntex is a farm to fashion, vertically integrated textile company. And we have a vision to become global leader in sustainable textiles. So it has its manufacturing base in central part of India. We are producing roughly 25,000 metric tons of yarn every year, 10,000 metric tons of knitted fabrics and roughly 60 million pieces of garments. And at farm level, we are working with uh, 16,500 organic farmers, equal number of BCI sustainable farmers and 1,500 fair trade farmers with approximate production capacity of 8,000 metric tons of organic lint to 20,000 metric tons of BCI lint and roughly 800 metric tons of fair trade lint. And we have our farm operations in two states of India. One is Madhya Pradesh, where we have a major number of farmers, and another is Rajasthan. So this is all about, uh, in brief, what Pratibha is all about. Now, the next thing, <coughs> why did Pratibha decide to work on other crops? So, like we've been working with uh, these farmers, uh, uh, I think almost 17 years now. We started uh, in 1999. Uh, with 500 the number of farmers uh, in organic and at this point of time uh, we are working with roughly 35 37,000 of the farmers all these years uh, like uh, basically we were focused on cotton the most of these years and uh, uh, we wanted to have a sustainable supply of cotton in our supply chain and that's that's uh, organic or BCI lid and lately we realized that uh, uh, if you really want to address the integrity part and just consistent supply of genuine raw material, uh, then it is not possible without providing farmers year-long and all-round support. So far, we have been just focusing on cotton and uh, we were missing uh, six months in the year. And we realized that integrity was uh, really at stake because you were not in regular contact with the farmers the rest of the years. And cotton, we realized, is just 25 to 30% of the income for the farmer. And uh, when you have such a transactional relationship with farmer for just 25%, you cannot uh, uh, get the sustained supply of cotton. Besides all these years, there are a number of reasons which were making agriculture not really a remunerative profession. Uh, when you were trying to enforce organic and sustainable practices and uh, hardly next generation of the farming is willing to do farming because it's no more remunerative for them. So what we decided, like if you really wanted to have sustainable raw material, cotton for your industry, it is imperative for us to work on other crops as well and we need to be more holistic in our approach. And that's how uh, last year we started this. This, this was simmering from last uh, two and a half years. But last year we actually piloted a project with uh, uh, 2,000 farmers and where we provided them support uh, uh, on all the crops. So uh, the reason for being in other crops is if you wanted to be uh, have the integrity, uh, you have to support them all the crops. And what we realize is that uh, 
you just cannot have sustainable cotton you can have sustainable farming only and cotton will be a natural outcome of it if you just focus on cotton or one crop it's not going to work that was the experience so that's how this idea of working on other crops uh, came uh, uh, into picture so it's it's like i was just seeing uh, one ad of jockey where it says uh, it's it's like jockey or nothing similarly it happened to us it's all crops or nothing so that is how we started now working on all other crops so next thing next thing is how do they aggregate and market these other crops that's the next question so we actually started with four different crops in our area uh, where we did this pilot uh, we have spices besides cotton we have spices we have pulses some pulses we have uh, vegetables and we have some uh, food grains like uh, wheat and uh, maize such kind of crops so we just try to uh, uh, like we we just wanted to have all these crops uh, which farmers have been growing one major issue which we faced was that after having all these crops farmers were not earning enough so first thing we focus on to create more income from each acre of the farm the first thing we started doing so that is how we could able to attract the farmers for doing this activity so for this uh, we we just discussed with the farmers and we uh, interact because we believed that farmer is actually he does not need any support he knows farming more than anybody else because he has been doing from ages on acres of the land so only thing is you just have to develop that confidence in the farmer and he'll come out with the innovative ideas so what we decided after interacting with the farmers and this idea came right from the farmers itself who we call farmer scientists so they came up with the idea that uh, instead of having just cotton or maybe two crops on each acre uh, let's have mixed cropping system so we are going to have cotton along with cotton we have some spices we have some vegetable in between because uh, if we have two rows of cotton and there is uh, uh, four feet of space between two rows of cotton so can we have some other crops so so some of them decided to go for vegetable some went for spices some went for pulses so so this is how we tried the innovative crop combination with the farmers with these 2000 farmers so we got very encouraging results uh, on this uh, and uh, i think around uh, 50 number of farmers out of this uh, really got their income more than 2.5 times from that one acre of the land first while they were doing just cotton visible uh, so that was the one point where now farmer was willing to come on board uh, uh, starting to have and practicing and uh, trying to have these innovative combinations and income enhancement is there now second question was now how we can aggregate all these crops which they are producing and provide them the market so initially out of uh, whatever roughly 15 to 20 number of crops uh, which we we tried hands on uh, almost uh, 80% 60 to 80% crops already had the market so in case we don't aggregate them and we don't Uh, pratibha we don't buy and sell those crops farmer has the ability and the market available in vicinity so that was the one issue that's how the combination uh, we we try to work out the 60 to 80% of the crops farmer can sell on its own and rest of the 20% crops we just try to aggregate them and try to find out bulk buyers where they can get some benefit on the uh, being sustainable farmer and uh, organic farmer they can get some premium on those particular crops so we just tried in two crops at this point of time that was a small pilot where uh, for 300 farmers we tried to aggregate their wheat in this particular season 
and we already tied up with some bulk buyers who were willing to do so that was done in advance so bulk buyers were uh, ready to to have that particular crop uh, purchased from them at the farm gate and they even uh, at the beginning we decided what kind of seed we are going to have with the farmers so all these 300 farmers sown the same seed which we provided pratibha uh, to them and the money uh, which was involved in that was later recovered during the purchase of that wheat so all these same kind of wheat was aggregated from the farm gate and processed at a particular uh, central level and then it is transferred to three bulk buyers which we have already uh, already tied up for this particular crop so that is how we try to aggregate on some of the crops rest of the crops farmers sold in the local markets but still there was some gap the, the thing was not challenging and uh, so it was really challenging and we don't have uh, uh, the, the entire road map available uh, for us to aggregate all these crops and sell to the bulk buyer uh, we had the challenge some of the farmers uh, who tried uh, there is uh, one moringa uh, beans which some of the farmers tried and they got the good yield on that but uh, we could not sell that particular uh, crop to any of the any of the buyers because local market was not providing them that much of amount uh, sale price uh, which was really viable and we have some market down south but we could not aggregate crop and uh, sell that to the southern market which was around 500 miles from this particular place so there we missed that particular so that was the thing we would see next year how we can uh, even have aggregation of some of the crops which are perishable and local market is uh, not there besides that some of the farmers because it was a small pro, uh, small pilot so some of the farmers they aggregated their crop and processed it on their own and added some value for example turmeric there is no market uh, in the local and the vicinity for the turmeric uh, uh, crop but what they tried they tried to convert that into uh, turmeric powder and which definitely had the market so that around 200 farmers could able to have could able to have their own processing uh, aggregate that crop and had their own processing and uh, try to convert it into powder and uh, they did sell in the local market so almost 60% of their valued crop they could able to sell in the local market besides that uh, what we trying now we have already established two of the farmer collectives that is what we call here farmer producer companies and government is also providing a lot of support to uh, these uh, farmer producer companies so these two companies are being uh, farmed now this company is going to work on the behalf of the farmer to aggregate all these uh, crops and we will support them to find the market for this so pratibha definitely going to provide them support to be enterprising in next couple of years uh, where they can develop this ability to market their own crop and uh, may have their processing unit uh, owned by themselves so they can add some value to that crop which can fetch some better returns uh, from them so this is what uh, right now uh, we are planning for the future and to mention here these two fpcs farmer producer companies are formed with the support of uh, the fund we got uh, through idh and bci projects so all that was training and everything was funded by uh, our bci uh, fast track program so this is how this uh, we did with some of the crops uh, and this uh, farmer producer company next thing what uh, we need to how do they cover the cost of these services so primarily it started with our own investment uh, it really 
took me a few months to convince my management that they, they need to invest in uh, this uh, particular project because they had this idea in mind when they're going to focus on other crops, they're going to lose their focus on their core business that is the cotton. But uh, uh, later on, they realized that if they really want to have the cotton, they cannot ignore other crops because that's not going to be possible. So initially, all these costs were uh, invested by uh, Pratibha itself and uh, definitely Integrity had some costs. So with this idea, they just wanted to have their project uh, all Integrity and practices followed. Uh, so they invested in this. Uh, besides this, we got some... Uh, uh, besides, we got some uh, social uh, funders as well. Please go ahead, Yeah, we had some uh, funding available from IDH. Uh, we had some funding available, Cotton Connect, who had the same idea in mind. And uh, it also helped us to uh, continue with this particular project in last year's. And in subsequent years also, we are seeking some funds from uh, uh, foundations of some brands. And Pratibha also planning to invest some of its own CSR funds uh, in these sustainable projects. So that is how... Uh, we further going to mobilize the funds for these activities. Besides that, we, we also wanted to have farmers, the stakeholders, so some of the farmers who can afford to provide us the credits. And we had some farmers where we provided them uh, immediate cash for their 50% of the contribution, 50% of the crop they contributed to the system. And 50% of the payment was made to them after we could able to sell this particular crop in the market. So that is how farmer also became the part of... Uh, this working capital. Uh, so that was one we could able to do it. Uh, besides that, uh, we had some input production centers which were locally developed. And again, they were supported by these social funders like IDH and Cotton Connect, where we developed uh, some input production centers. So all the inputs which all these 2000 farmers used uh, were provided by these input production centers. So they were very uh, cost economic and uh, almost it saved 60% of their input cost on uh, organic and sustainable inputs. So that was the one part which we extended initially, uh, not investing much because all these input centers were run by the farmer collective itself. And we just provided them technology and all local resources were used, uh, which were very low cost. And only initial establishment cost was funded by social funders. So this is how this input also was provided to them uh, and that helped them to give some credit later on when final crop came to market. So we, we just planning in future like how we all three can become the stakeholder where uh, these farmers through their collective, that is farmer producer company, PSL is going to be an intermediary and consumer also come into the stake and where consumer can also participate and pay something in advance uh, where this the whole model can set up. We're still working on that. So not very clear at this point of time, but we are sure that maybe in the next six months to one year, we'll be able to develop some model where consumer will also become a, a, a investor in this particular system where farmer, Pratibha and consumer all three become the part together. And when we talk about the benefits for the farmers, uh, initial when we started with this uh, project, this was for income enhancement for the farmers. So we just wanted to have per acre income of the farmer should get doubled by these kind of uh, innovative crop combination. So that is going to be uh, an advantage for the farmers. Besides that, this particular model 
had all economic, uh, ecological and environmental factors inbuilt in that because that is an axiomatic thing where if you have the multi-crop combinations, you're not just focusing on the single crop or monoculture, uh, you have multiple crops at the same field, it is going to be uh, risk uh, mitigation for the farmers, it is going to have lesser pest attacks, it is going to have better quality of the soil. It is going to have better usage of input in terms of water and all those things. So definitely it is going to be a win-win situation for the farmers. So, so this was the advantage for the farmers uh, through this uh, particular model. And for Pratibha, definitely initially we just wanted to ensure the integrity and wanted to have the sustainable supply of our raw material that is cotton. For this, we started doing uh, this whole activity. But now feel we feel that uh, this uh, another this could be another business opportunity because uh, this is if we consider that metric, this is going to be uh, uh, this particular activity maybe a. Uh, question mark at this point of time, that question mark category, but could become a star performer uh, because this is a commodity market. And we see a very good future because there is a huge demand for sustainable food products as well and organic food products. Market is growing like anything. Only thing has, only thing has, we have to develop that model uh, where farmer, Pratiba as a mediator and uh, consumer can become the stakeholder and we all together can have some sustainable model in place. So with initial results, we see that there is all the possibility where we can have such model in place in uh, coming times. It's not going to be a short term things uh, and we expect at least to invest next five years where we can have some model in place and roadmap clearly visible uh, and, and we can have a, a new business opportunity for Pratipa as well in agricultural commodities other than cotton. Uh, I think that's that's from my end. I think I, I've exhausted my 10 minutes, so thank you. Thanks, Avinash. I think uh, very interesting. So if you have questions to Avinash on, on how exactly he's doing this and how he, for example, convinces management, please uh, keep them uh, after our our next presenter, which is uh, uh, Peter Egging, uh, working for Zangani in um, in Madagascar, Peter is the, the CEO of, of the company. Peter, over to you. Can you shortly introduce your, your company? Um, how do you decide to partner with this local microfinance institution? What is this microfinance institution uh, doing? Uh, what's your role in this? And what do you see as benefits both for the farmers as well as for your company? Yes, I will try. Thanks for the opportunity to share uh, our experiences, although Sangani um, um, is still a very young company. Uh, it has only been created in uh, 2015 by two European impact investors. Uh, one is uh, linked to the Eco Corporation and the other is Heri Africa and Family Fund. And the company specialized in yeah, sourcing of uh, Robusta coffee, or green coffee and spices, so mainly cloves, uh, pepper, cinnamon, and we are aiming to sell them on the domestic and international markets. And to give an idea of the size of the company, uh, this year in 2017, we are aiming at collecting and, and selling uh, 1,100 tons of, of green coffee, of which more than 60% will be exported, and 350 tons of cloves, and then some smaller volumes of uh, pepper and, and cinnamon. And concerning the, the 
the financing of the company besides the, the capital investments we received from the, the uh, impact investors. We have also obtained a credit line from the CFC, the Common Fund for Commodities, and we work mainly with trade financing from uh, different financial partners and a local bank to finance the, the sourcing. Because often we, have, we need a lot of cash during a very short period, and then the, the return uh, that will take several months uh, before we have sold the products. Um, our main objective of the company is to increase quality and production of the main cash crops in southeastern Madagascar. It's a quite a remote, isolated part of the island. Um, historically, it has been really a center of, of the production of cash crop and many cloves and, and coffee, uh, but that has decreased a lot. And we are currently trying to to revive the, the these value chains and to increase quality and production, and not really to be able to respond again to the requirements of the, the international markets. And yeah, our, our yeah, long-term objective, our raison d'être, the, 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 the company, is to revive the traditional export change and to contribute to improving livelihoods of the rural households. So that, that, that's, that's why we created uh, Sangani, to, to really to make a difference in the, in the value change, which are currently in quite an, an disorganized uh, stage. Um, yeah, I like also to stress that, that um, working together with the Microfinance Institute is just one element of our approach. Huh? Um, collaboration and developing partnerships with other chain actors and, and chain supporters is really key. And so, but having said this, being a private sector company, uh, we can only uh, financially support activities that will be cost effective in a relatively short period. Uh, so uh, programs like training a visit for, at farmer's level are quite uh, costly and only give return in, in long term, in the longer term. So for this type of, of uh, programs, we are partner, partnering with uh, development organizations and uh, technical ministries that are present on the ground. So that's in short, um, the Sangani company. Um, so. Why did we decide to partner with the local MFI? Um, yeah, first, first of all, I think we, we are living in 2017. And uh, personally, I, I'm also convinced that access of the rural population to a professional and, and, and fair financial services and a professional MFI, uh, that's a precondition for economic development. I think it, it's... it's I cannot imagine an development, an economic development in this region if the population hasn't access to financial services. So, and I think it's also important to know that, that Sangani, we, we didn't start from scratch. Uh, we are currently capitalizing on experiences of a similar initiative that has been launched before and from 2009 onwards, also by the Eco Corporation and another MFI uh, that was in the same region. Unfortunately, that MFI went bankrupt together, together with the companies involved. But um, during that, that period, at least the importance of an MFI for chain development in the, the first years of the initiative, that was clearly demonstrated. So although it didn't work out in the long term, 
at the collaboration with the MFI. It, it was clearly that the role it played in chain development was, was, was essential. And um, yeah, another reason, of course, why we work together with the local MFI, farmers need cash during the whole year, uh, waiting income from, from the different harvests. And so many are obliged to take loans and or they sell their crop already before the harvest at very low prices. And loans, at least in southeastern Madagascar, are still often repaid in kind. And yeah, I think like in other parts of the world, often the interest rates, they reach easily 100% or more for a loan of, yeah, of only a few months. And so we decided to work with a local MFI to tackle, first of all, this problem, but also because we see working together with an MFI and other development partners that also makes it possible for us to develop a trusting business relationship in the long, in the, in the longer term with uh, producers, but also with farmer organizations uh, and facilitating access to financial services and secure payment. I think that that's part of our approach. And because we are also very much interested in improving quality, uh, access to credit will also make it easier for farmers and, and uh, their organization, their producer organizations, to invest in their plantations. And notably, what's very important for us to improve their post-harvest techniques. Uh, for instance, also for the uh, reintroduction of wet processing of coffee. That's more or less the, the main reasons why we decided to partner with a local MFI. And yeah, the, the main services that are offered to farmers, um, yeah, that are the different, I think it's more or less the same as in most parts of the world, the different savings and loan products. Yeah, but it's not only for farmers, but also for their producer organizations. But the type of product um, will depend a lot on the profile of the client and, and very much also on the, the risk for the MFI. The MFIs have a very, um, um, how do you say, risk avoidance uh, uh, attitude that you want to limit the risk for themselves, which makes it often very difficult also for smallholders without a bankable guarantee to obtain loans. So what you see in Madagascar is also that most, yeah, the most important financial product of MFI in Madagascar is credit that is warranted by storage of, of uh, the main cash crop, of the main food crop, uh, rice. <coughs> rice. And it's a very speculative, speculative product uh, because uh, during the year, rice prices are always, there's more certain, are rising quite or double or triple even. So it's in, in speculation with very limited risks or no risks uh, for the farmers, but also no risk for the, for the MFI. And the MFI is currently the approaches to discuss on the idea to offer the same product also for coffee and spices. Um, we are a bit hesitant. Eh? We are not really in favor because it's, there are considerable risks for the farmers. For the MFI, it's still quite safe because they only give maybe 60, 70% of the, the, the value at, at the farm gate uh, as a loan. But for farmers, it's quite tricky. For instance, this year, cloth prices fluctuated a lot and that's not, not easy to predict. And, uh, because of the rupee crisis in India, 
the, the clothes market, they, they stopped, stopped for more or less two months and the prices went down. So that's quite a high risk for, for farmers to, to speculate on, on rising prices during the season uh, as far as cash crops are concerned. Um, and also we, we are not in favor because it speculates on, on increased market prices. And one of the main problems Madagascar is encountering is also that it has difficulties to compete on the world market eh, due to the, to the quality of the products. And for instance, coffee and speculation will, will just increase um, or complicate Madagascar's um, capacity, or no, how do you say, limit Madagascar's capacity to compete on, on the world markets. Um, notably, notably because uh, quality is, isn't uh, uh, for products like coffee that are also sold on the local market isn't paid for. So when they are spec speculating on, on prices, quality is not really an issue. And yeah, the, the services that are offered by the MFI uh, to Sangani, which is also quite important for us, uh, it's, um, despite the discussions we have now with them on the different products, uh, the, the services they are delivering uh, uh, are important. Um, first of all, it secures delivery of products to, to the company. Uh, farmers that have received a loan, they, they engage themselves to deliver to, to Sangani. Uh, furthermore, it offers to Sangani secure and also traceable payments to clients. It limits our, our use of cash, which is quite risky. Um, furthermore, uh, the, the MFI, they also in the remote areas, they are transporting the cash yeah, because it's high value crops. There are often large amounts of money going around. Um, so that's taken care of by the MFI. Uh, we pay for it, but at least it, it limits our, our risks. Um, it offers also safe deposit of cash yeah, when in remote areas where we have collection centers. If there is an MFI, uh, we can deposit the cash, the cash at the end of the day and uh, retrieve it the next morning in principle. Um, and maybe most important is, is also that this partnership that facilitates for us the development of long-term relationships with farmers and producers organizations. The fact that we are approaching them together, that creates also confidence uh, at the level of the farmers and, and their, their, their organizations. Um, yeah, our own role uh, in the financial services that, that uh, the MFI provides, um, to farmers, yeah. First of all, for the MFI, it's it's uh, interesting that we are reducing their risks. Uh, Sangani, we are uh, controlling, monitoring, and verifying the existence of, of the crop, uh, and also the MFI is uh, sure that there will be payment after delivery of the product to to Sangani. So we will pay on an account that that farmer has at uh, with the MFI. Um, yeah, like I said, we are a very young company. So last year it was a, we introduced this uh, this service. Um, it was an, an introduction and test. And the first year we offered to the MFI also a guarantee of 50% uh, of the credits they gave to clove producers. That was a quite a limited group. 
which all participated also at an IDH uh, supported project. So the, we decided to take that risk because it was quite limited. Uh, we had quite good relationship old, already with the, those farmers. And uh, now at the end, uh, every, 100% has been paid back and delivered to, and the products delivered to Sangani. Um, but certainly from the second year onwards, we won't give any guarantees anymore as a as company to the MFI for loans that they give to uh, farmer uh, to farmers and farmers organizations. On the other hand, we are trying to link them with uh, partners in our network and in network of, of, of uh, our investors that might be interested in supporting the MFI through uh, offering bank guarantees, etc. Um, for the farmers, um, yeah, the main advantage is that Sangani facilitates um, their contact with the, the MFI. And there's still a lot of farmers, especially in the remote rural areas, areas are quite hesitant to, to enter an MFI office. Um, so we are facilitating and linking uh, uh, these contacts. Um, also during the, this first year, during the test, uh, we, we offered to the farmers, we, we advanced the, the costs that were related to opening an account at the MFI. Um, it was a small amount, uh, but just to, to, to stimulate farmers to really to, to, to enter in this relationship, this three-party relationship. Um, also from now onwards, I think it's something that will be and should be taken care of by the MFI. Uh, opening an account is not very expensive for them also. So it will offer them a new client. So I think from in the new contract we are signing with them, it's the role of the MFI to, to facilitate the opening of, of, a, of a bank account. Peter, um, Peter can, I, um, can I thank you for this? Because I want to make sure that we have some time left for questions, but especially for sharing of other experiences, which hopefully can also be helpful for you and for Avinash, of whom I know it's already late in the evening. Um, so if it's okay with you, Peter, I'd like to open the floor. And um, this Zoom system allows you to raise your hand or you just unmute yourself to ask verifying questions. I especially, if it's okay, would like to ask Catalina and um, Ella um, whether this is something which is um, also going on in the company you're working for and whether you have any experiences to share with uh, Avinash and Peter as you're also running service delivery models. So Catalina, can, can I ask you first, I unmuted you in case you didn't do that already yourself. Um, is this something uh, which is going on in, in Bernard Rothfuss as well? And um, how are things going in, in your organization related to this topic? So the part around partnering with MFIs, definitely not. And maybe this is something that we should be exploring more. The problem is, um, in general, MFIs are too risk averse for the kind of farmers that we work with. 
Um, so it seems like these, you know, there, there's kind of like no overlap between, you know, the target farmers that we work with and the target farmers that MFIs would want to work with. To begin with, already MFIs are focused more in like urban customers. Already when you talk about agri, um, there's a lot of ifs and then if the farmer doesn't have any proper collateral or land titles and things like that, then the person is not really eligible for the MFIs. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's really hard to, to work with them. And then in the cases where the farmers are actually, let's say, more advanced and bigger, uh, then they actually go to normal banks. So they don't really, you know, they, they are already part of the financial service ecosystem, right? Yes, and, and for this diversification of surf supply, is that something you're looking into? Because a lot of your farmers are also not pure coffee farmers? Yes, I, I actually think it was interesting on the first presenter when, when he was talking not, not that, you know, not focusing just on cotton, that you had to like kind of really focus on the farmer and that may mean cotton and other products. And I think that's an interesting proposition for coffee as well. To be honest, what I still find very difficult is how do we incorporate the costs of providing all these services within a business model? Like, I guess it's really maybe hard to talk about that, but like within our group, I constantly, you know, kind of clash into the argument of someone else saying, like, look, our margins are just too thin. We, we don't have money to yeah, like pay for all this. Of course, we would love to like give all of this support to farmers, but like just the, the margins are too tight. Yes, and, and maybe Avinash, because I know that Avinash, that you're also not doing this from a um, philanthropical uh, <laughs> Uh, purpose, right? So it seems, Avinash, that on the longer term you do see a business in, in the services. Am I correct? Yeah, that's a long term. We do see a business case. Uh, but at this point of time, what we're trying to, how we're trying to uh, actually uh, fund these projects is one is definitely from our own source. At the same time, uh, what we realize like it is a, a better utilization of our own resources because the same staff which were dedicatedly working for the farmers uh, for the cotton period, we utilize the same people. Like we do not have uh, more people on board to do this activity when they are supporting farmers for uh, other crops as well. So that was one part. Besides that, definitely to bring this model, uh, we also wanted farmers to share something in this model. So like I said, farmers shared 50% of its crop on credit and he waited for three months uh, when it was traded. He was willing to take that uh, uh, money after three months. So that was one part. And besides that, I think all these brands and foundations and CSR activities, they have a strong role to play where such models can be established by initial support from these organizations where we were lucky to have from IDH and Cotton Connect at the initial level. Okay. Um, Ella, um, we've not met before, but I don't know whether, you, can you share any experiences within Cargill on how you're dealing um, with uh, maybe offering services? I know that, for example, in Zambia, that you're, offer, you're working with cotton farmers who you're offering um, 
also other services for other products. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on that? Um, hi, I would really love to, but I'm afraid I'm joined very recently and don't want to say anything misleading, so I'll have to defer to my colleagues and revert, I'm afraid. Okay, because I think it was, will be helpful, especially for Avinash. Uh, I think you're already doing this on a larger scale for some longer time to, to mm. get some insights uh, from your side as well. Of course, I will do. Thanks. I think, uh, Don, that you have uh, raised your hand, so up over to you. Yeah, thank you, uh, Iris. Yeah, I just came back from Vietnam, and uh, uh, as you, m many of you may know, probably, uh, Vietnamese coffee farmers are very high producers, get uh, quite a good income. Still, in many areas, they are already diversifying for various reasons. Uh, one reason being the fluctuation of prices uh, of uh, coffee, but also of the other crops. So what we see is that farmers uh, are more and more producing other crops as well. Uh, pepper is an example, but also more and more uh, avocado. And we have been discussing with, uh, with the uh, coffee exporters, several of them, and we see that they get more and more interested also in uh, dealing with the other crops, or at least the other products. And then you have a problem, of course, um, with uh, fresh crops because most of the exporters are very much used to uh, uh, dried products like like coffee and it would be quite easy for them to also include pepper and also include nuts but to include avocado which has a very different value chain approach you need uh, uh, much more care in your project in transporting it for example and you may need to have some cooling or whatever so there is a, a kind of, of, of quite logical uh, not participating in the avocado chain with the existing companies, I think. Maybe that is also something to, to contemplate that you would have to look in which area you will have to have what type of approach with what type of crops instead of trying to do everything in one company. And, and Don, do you know why they have an interest in this? Do they see it as a good business or they, do they expect that they can serve or create a better relationship with the coffee farmers? So uh, mainly the last one, because they are a bit afraid that they would lose out a lot of coffee. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, but, but also, they, they, I think they see that their infrastructure in, in dealing with coffee could definitely also be used for other products. Yeah, so they are looking for ways to leverage their existing infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you can, but I'm not sure how that works out, but if you have different crops that become ready in the market on different times of the year, it could become interesting because then you can keep your staff busy with buying uh, the product. Mm -hmm. And I think, Peter, that was also a reason, right, why you combined coffee and gloves, because that was not combined from the start. Is that correct? Um, yeah, that, that, that's correct. I think uh, also for our company. Otherwise, we would have a uh, very lot, very much activities in a very short period of time, in, in four, four months' time. So uh, needed to diversify. And on the other hand, also farmers are diversifying, like, like uh, the other people also uh, stressed. And uh, for them, it's very important given the fluctuating prices on world markets. Uh, for, for, for cloves, coffee, uh, pepper, 
So it's, it's, it's also uh, reducing risks. Mm -hmm. Any other questions to Avinash or Peter on, on how they're doing this? Hi, Aris. This is Elena speaking. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Uh, I have a question just to both uh, regarding the selection of the crops. Uh, so what have been the key criteria used uh, as a business to select uh, cloves or the other uh, crops that diversified uh, into beyond cotton, for instance, or beyond coffee? And how did they, what was the mapping uh, process for it? Was it mapped by region or if there was any specific mapping process beyond the crop? Avinash, can you respond first? Avinash, can you explain how you selected those uh, those crops? Yeah, sorry. Uh, the crop selection was uh, primarily when we started because to attract the farmers, the first thing was to how to enhance the income uh, from each acre of the land area. So initially with cotton, we just tried to integrate the crops which go well with cotton at the same time, going to provide them the in income which is equivalent to the cotton. So with that idea, we started. So there are some crops like chili was one part, which was actually a major cash crop besides cotton. So that was integrated with this. Besides uh, vegetables, that was another crop. Uh, some vegetables and spices, they were integrated there. So first idea was to provide them the income. Second selection criteria was whether do, do we have the market for that particular crop in the vicinity in case we do not uh, aggregate the entire uh, produce of all the farmers are the farmers uh, have the ability to sell that in the local market that was the second uh, part uh, for deciding what crop we are going to have third thing was the perishability because some of the crops uh, were perishable and uh, uh, there is huge flies, uh, price fluctuation in those perishable crops because at one point of time it's selling at very high price and uh, by the time uh, another uh, uh, picking of that crop comes, uh, the rates are slashed so low that even uh, picking that, uh, harvesting that crop becomes more expensive. So these three major criteria we considered when we were just planning the crop combination for the farmers so that the risk can be mitigated uh, from all these factors. Thanks. And, and Peter, was it the same for you? Were those also the key drivers? No, no, not, not that much. Um, the investors in Sangani, uh, like Eco Corporation, they were already present in southeastern Madagascar for for a decade uh, before starting Sangani. Um, they worked on economic development issues. Uh, so when they started Sangani, the, the, the main crops in the region uh, are these two, three crops, these cash crops, cloves and, and coffee. Um, but at the same time, the, the, the observation was that, that those chains were declining. So uh, the choice was, it was easy if you want to have an impact in the region, which had a high potential uh, 15, 20 years ago for, for, for these two crops, uh, which are important for hundreds and thousands of, of, of farmers. Uh, so that, that then you have to do something in, in these two uh, value chains. So it was more... Um, it was based on what was already present, mm -hmm. 
but actually currently we are trying to diversify also because these are three crops if you want to increase uh, or improve quality it's all it takes all, always uh, yeah quite some years before you will have a, a big impact so at the same time we are now trying to uh, promote uh, annual crops that or crops that, that give a return on investment uh, uh, at a shorter time which are also profitable for Sangani. Uh, we are now working together with a company Bunex which is promoting Artemisia since it's an annual crop easy to grow and it gives already a return on investment uh, after uh, six seven months. Yeah so you're also looking for alternative crops that can further boost the income? For the farmers as well as Sangani. Yes okay uh, I'm going to round off this call. Um, Avinash and Peter, thank you very much both for um, being um, available for, for the interview that we did in advance and for being present in this call. I think what you're doing, you're, you're quite on the front of uh, exploring this area. Um, so I don't think we have so many partners who are actively working on diversifying their, their surf supply as, as you're doing. So uh, it's a little bit a shame because that doesn't allow too many other learnings to be shared with you on how others are, are doing this, this kind of thing. I do hope the others, it has been inspiring and um, informative. We will organize a similar type of call in about a month uh, about ICT solutions. So how ICT solutions can help um, surf providers in driving down costs, but also increasing the impact at, at farmer level. Uh, we will be joined by the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation because they're doing a lot in, in this area for this call. Um, since this is the first in a row of these type of calls that we are organizing, I would welcome your open and honest uh, feedback on whether this is useful, what you like, what you dislike. And uh, since we're Dutch, we're, we're used to uh, open feedback. And um, that will leave me... It, uh, or I will close the call now. So thanks very much for your, your participation. And uh, yeah, looking forward to being uh, during the next call, which we will contact you uh, for uh, on, on short term. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.